everyone, and welcome to the Movie Shed Podcast. I am, of course, your cinema-loving, shed-dwelling host, Mike. Oh, man, today I want to talk about a director who had a pretty big impact on me as a lover of cinema. And that, of course, is Cecil B. DeMille. I'm sure there are a few of you out there going... Who? And that's kind of a shame. The thing is, it's not that surprising. I mean, Cecil B. DeMille, he started in the film industry back in 1914. And his career expanded from, uh, lasted from 1919 to uh, the mid to late 50s. I'm pretty sure he died in like 59. I if I remember right, I think it was. Yeah, he, he he's his last film. He he lasted in the film industry till 1958 and died in 59. So now the reason why he really uh, captured my attention as someone who loved cinema is that. Cecil B. DeMille, along with a few other directors of the time, had created what were known then, unironically, as epics. Well, what do we mean by epic? I mean, everyone seems to slap that label onto anything that comes along these days. I mean, look at the M- anything from the MCU. Oh, this film is epic. No. No, 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 no. The MCU films aren't epic. I'm sorry, they're not. You want an epic. You're talking about a film that has thousands of extras. I want you to think back to the Battle of Helm's Deep from The Lord of the Rings. Or the Battle of uh, the Battle of Minas Tirith. And all of those units that are displayed, you know, before the gates of Helm's Deep or before the gates of Minas Tirith. Back in the day, under directors like Cecil B. DeMille, they didn't, of course, have any of that computer-generated technology that Peter Jackson had. Instead, they would have had to use thousands and thousands of extras. That's just the way it was. And that's why they were termed epics, because they told this big story in a very big way. Now, some of the works that Cecil B. DeMille himself made that I watched, and he made a lot, I didn't watch them all, but there were three that really stood out for me. His earliest one was Cleopatra. This was done back in 1934. And now Cleopatra, you know, the story of Cleopatra, her rise, all of that is told in a very 30s kind of way. But it's the sheer number of people involved. There's so many extras that you get this sense of actually being there, at least in Cecil B. DeMille's version of ancient Egypt. Then you kept going and you had, uh, from 1949... Uh, Samson and Delilah, a 
a tale from the Bible that he, because he was very much a person who based a lot of his films on biblical stories. Uh, again, Samson Delilah, uh, the very famous scene in which Samson uh, brings down as he's chained to a pair of uh, pillars, pulls the pillars down with his mighty strength and collapses an entire building full of people. Again, full of extras, all in costume. But the biggest one, in my mind, was that of the Ten Commandments back in 1956. So many people watched it. I mean, Charlton Heston starring as Moses. The, the sheer number of people that they had as extras to show the Jews leaving Egypt was staggering absolutely staggering the sheer volume of people the fact that these these were such epic in scope films and that's really why they're called epics they're real epics because they were epic in scope if you were able to take peter jackson's lord of the rings and have each and every individual orc in that army actually be an extra, then I would gladly say that film is epic. Clearly it's epic. It's not. It's computer generated, as are most of the things in the film. But back in that time, when you were working on a Cecil B. DeMille film, cities would have to be built. You know, the we like to think of the, the old uh, joke of Hollywood, the 2D wooden facade. Yeah, that's true. You know, if you're not going to do any kind of close-in filming, the 2D facade as kind of like a backdrop works. But what if you're filming in a quote-unquote street? Then what's known as three-quarter buildings are created. It has a front, it has a left and a right side. Its back is open. But it's, it's a three-quarter prop. And they had to build a city's worth of these things. In a number of cases. If you look back, you know, with either Samson and Delilah or the Ten Commandments, or even Cleopatra, you had all of these things like palaces and cities that you would have to travel through. Three, and they had to be, there were, you know, the 2D out in the periphery to add as backdrop. But then you had to have these three-quarter facades put up in order to give it depth and realism and you had to be able to have people going in and out comfortably as though it were a real building and they were people really living their lives because you had thousands thousands of extras roaming about I can't imagine the idea of an extras wrangler just trying to wrangle these people into doing things and the level of a the level of attention to detail that they would have had to have okay here's the thing i want you to walk from this point here you walk out of this building you take a right you walk down the street don't look at the at the cast and don't look at the camera just move straight down the street until you get to this building 
and then enter it. And that's it. The fact that you have to relay these kinds of instructions several thousand times is just mind-boggling. It really is. I find these films to really stand up to the test of time when it comes to how real it feels. What I mean by that is if you look at a film that tries to be epic, it uses a lot of CGI, you could see where the CGI fails it. Depending on the era, I mean, CGI has gotten better and better over the years, but there are still points here and there where you can start to see similarities. You can start to see, you know, sameness kind of baked in, and you could see it. They try and hide it, and they get better at it, but you can still point it out. But when you look at something like this, when you look at something like the Ten Commandments, or you look at Samson and Delilah, or you look at Cleopatra, you see thousands of individuals doing things individually. Yeah, they were given broad instructions of what to do and what not to do, but for the most part, they're doing it on their own by themselves. They're acting as individuals, and that gives a film a sense of life, a sense of realism that sadly is lacking. I get it. You don't want, you can't make these kinds of films anymore. The cost would be astronomical. And the returns at the box office, even if the thing were to do the greatest of all time, may only break even. I can see the issue here. It was easy to do films like this back then. Lots of people, not, not a lot of work. You don't have to pay them all that much. And you could get really big returns. Now, not so much anymore. <sighs> but the reason I wanted to talk about Cecil B. DeMille is that, uh, yes, I get it. Uh, some of his films, you know, they talk about, they like the th two of the three I've just mentioned are based on uh, Christian religious ideology upon stories from the Bible. Technically, it's Judeo-Christian, but whatever, because they're both Jewish. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I get that. I get that there's people who would be like, I don't know about this. Granted, religious feelings aside, these are great films. It's not so much the source material that grabs me. What grabs me is the scope, the scale, the artistry involved. Because there's an incredible amount of artistry involved. The level of detail is exquisite. And quite often these films, they portray very young actors and actresses that would become superstars in just a few years' time. I mean, look at Charlton Heston. He was a young man when he did the Ten Commandments. And then you look at how he was able to become a big superstar. 
This is the kinds of things I'm talking about. I'm not interested so much in the political context. But as a film, wow. Incredible. Incredible visuals. But, you know, hey, that's just my particular thought. And I mean, hell, it's not as if Cecil B. DeMille was the only one doing this sort of thing. There was, uh, what was his name? Weiler, Wheeler, something like that. I forget that particular fellow's name. But he did a film, and he you might have heard of it. It's called Ben-Hur. So Cecil B. DeMille didn't exactly corner the market on this. But he was a, he was a part of a small fairly exclusive little club of directors who were able to tackle the huge technical challenges of creating these incredible epics. And that's that's what I would like to end on is just to appreciate some of these old school epics. What an epic film really is. What an epic film really entails because these films were epics they are an they are a series of epic films not just a tagline for an mcu rehashing of something well i think that's going to be it for me for today so it's time to close up the old shed but i will see y'all next time.